5678. Hello and welcome to a new episode of 5678, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Bärstold and today's guest is Ulrika Berg. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We are sitting in Hennesand at Nordans where you are teaching morning classes this week. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk a bit about dance training. Maybe you could introduce yourself first. Yes, I can. Uh, so my name is Ulrika Amberg and I uh, come from Sandviken. It's a small town a bit up north from Stockholm and I live in Stockholm now. And I am a dancer. I dance a lot in other people's work and sometimes I make my own works um, but I identify more as a dancer or dance artist than a choreographer and I teach dance um, I have um, since a couple of years now unemployment at Stockholm University of the Arts where I'm located at the dance department as a assistant professor of dance yeah yeah great maybe that's it yes for I now think we will get mm. into more yeah so my first question to get into your background is how did you start to dance mm. uh, i started taking dance classes when i was 13 i think um, but i had for sure danced a lot before that when I was a kid, I I was dancing a lot uh, with friends. We made dances and performed dances wherever we could. <laughs> and then when I was a preteen, my parents took me to this uh, dance classes because they thought that that would be a good idea. Uh, but I was resisting that a lot. And when I <laughs> when I came there, the group had been like they knew all the steps and I felt really like uh, just stressed about the whole situation so I didn't want to go back and so I didn't <laughs> um, but I continued with friends to to dance my friend Hanna had this um, room in her basement it was like a ping pong room that we made into our dance studio uh, together with my friend Sofia also. And uh, so we had like all these posters with Michael Jackson and Madonna and we were there and put together shows and dances. So it's like, it was this kind of for, I don't know, being a girl in a small town, there's not that much, it's a limited space of what you can do. So it felt like that was we made our own space where we had some kind of power and agency, mm. I think. Um, and then we started to go to these dance classes together when when we were 13. And then we just like, it was amazing then in Kulturskolan in Sandviken, you could like pay, <laughs> I think you paid 500 crowns and you could take like singing lessons, piano lessons, go into the choir, as many dance classes as you wanted. And like, so we did all of that. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so that's how I started. And how was it to start to take classes the second time? It was just exciting and fun and uh, like a, you know, you, I thought about it all the time. I, I, I still remember those dances. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could dance them for you now because <laughs> uh, I like you. We practice them so much, uh, and I don't remember dances that I did last year, but I remember <laughs> those dances. So it, it was really like, uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was like uh, the way of living. Mm. Then uh, a lot of fun. It was this kind of jazz ballet. I think it was called jazz ballet then. Um, yeah, and we performed a lot. And I, yeah, I loved how it felt to move. And I think maybe even more, I loved how it felt to be in the theater. Because mm. uh, you spent a lot of there, a lot of time sitting there and just being around that kind of atmosphere. I think that's also something that I got hooked on somehow. Mm. And uh, where did it go when you got hooked? But uh, you continued. Yeah, they started this uh, dance gymnasium. No, it musical gymnasium mm. in Sandviken, where they uh, brought in people from, from like nationally. So actually, Martin Forsberg, who's now the <laughs> director here at Nordans, he was in my class. So that's how we know each other from the beginning. He was, I, th- he, I think he was just there for a year. Um, and then, yeah, it's funny now. I remember, I get these memories because we're here also. He came back uh, after he had quit the education and watched some of our presentations. And then he <laughs> said to me, uh, you should become a dancer, but not a jazz dancer. You should become a contemporary dancer. <laughs> <laughs> or modern dancer that's what you call it then yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, funny <laughs> anecdote uh, anyways <laughs> so yeah we were yeah but then we it was all about this kind of show dance and musicals and acting and singing and uh, yeah also lots of fun lots of hard work you just like went to school all days and then you went to dance classes and that's how it repeated <laughs> yeah. and then you wanted to be a musical artist not a contemporary dancer that martin yeah suggested. yeah it was I, i mean that was more the things that were presented to me in that school but then there was also this teacher my dance teacher lotta smith and she uh, taught modern classes and she had been to new york and i felt like there was something else there to explore mm. and she was an amazing teacher and uh, like it felt felt like there was another kind of level to what she was teaching but I didn't know what that was was. so I was still in this kind of like I'm a jazz dancer that's what I uh, I was still in that place Mm. Um, and then I moved as soon as I could I left Sandviken uh, after gymnasium and moved to Stockholm to do one of these preparatory dance educations at um, Dance Kompaniet. 
Uh, and that's when I met like many different styles and started, uh, yeah, more like a professional kind of training. Should I go on with my yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <go>. the path? <laughs> and then uh, I applied to Ballettakademin and to Danshögskolan, um, and I got in, in uh, to both schools. So I had this summer of like, what should I do? What I want? What am I going to be? Uh, and I wanted to become a dancer, but I also really wanted to study at the university. And there was some, th- I just had some kind of feeling that Ballet Academy maybe wasn't the right thing for me. So I chose Danshögskolan. Uh, and at that time, there was no dance education at Danshögskolan. They only had the pedagogy mm. education. Uh, that was four years then, and uh, yeah, I started there with my main subject was jazz. So I'm that's my like formal training. I was trained to be a jazz dance teacher. Um, but I think also like throughout that education, I more and more found um, some kind of I fell in love with contemporary dance. Um, I remember one course we had with this kind of interpretation with or repertory with Per Jonsson uh, material through Silarus. And uh, and there was just something there, like how they talked about like there being so many different levels, like how you can think about the movement in different ways and how that changes what it becomes mm. that interested me. Yeah, yeah. And also I think that I went through some kind of, I found other reasons to dance than I had before. Because before it was more, yeah, it was fun. And it was also this thing of like, yeah, you want to be seen and confirmed somehow. Mm. And then when that didn't feel like it was enough, uh, I felt like either I just do something else or I need to find some other kind of reason Mm. or uh, something that makes it meaningful, meaningful to me. And I think that's when I started to get interested in movement and like art, dance as an art form. Mm. I didn't think about that before. What were the new reasons? Um, yeah, just to, to, to think about that, like that it's not so much about me or if I like, if I can, uh, achieve well or like be confirmed but it's more about the thing that I'm engaging in Uh, and this what I mentioned before with like the different levels of a movement material and how can you go deeper into something and what can that produce and um, how is is it related to art Mm. yeah And I think I've always had that kind of ambivalent relationship to performing, uh, also like wanting not w- wanting to be seen, not wanting to be seen, and that there is that kind of tension there, uh, that uh, I think is also kind of interesting. Yeah. What about teaching? Did you always want to teach, or when did you start to teach dance? Um, I, I, I guess I started when I was in dansk skolan. I went to like 
this Upplands Väsby and taught street dance classes in Wednesday evenings, you know, that, those kind of stuff. Uh, and then I just continued to teach. So I've been teaching and dancing parallel always. Mm. Um, except for when I, I, was, I went to New York after Danshögskolan uh, to also continue to study and uh, then I stayed there for two years and that period I did not teach mm. but then after when I moved back I I started to do these teaching gigs and yeah it's not like I started dancing school and because I really wanted to teach but but it was something that I became like a, a way of engaging with dance So I, I really see it as these two practices have been like constantly informing and influencing one another mm. and, st- and still does. I don't know what my teaching would be if I didn't dance. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So thinking about all this dance training that you've been through, could you mention some things that you are thankful for that it has been training or teaching you. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a lot. Um, For sure, some kind of uh, attentiveness uh, is kind of hyper attention, the ability to be super attentive, paying attention to things. And to to like uh, stay with uh, complexity, I think to uh, to not try to solve things immediately or like jump to conclusion or come up with the answer, but more to like, yeah, you know, it's fucking chaos inside, and there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> uh, And that that's, I think the dance training has helped me to accept that um, and to stay with it. Mm. And to be in groups. Like to this thing of like being alone but together, like uh, like when I entered the studio this morning and you guys are doing your own things and it feels like it feels like there is a, a respect for each other in the space, although you're doing very different things. And I feel when I enter those rooms that I feel so home in that, uh, and it's. Uh, a way of being together, although you're so much with yourself mm. that like I, uh, I I love how that feels. And, and I think I can really appreciate that when, when that, that kind of like being alone together. Are we talking about like what it, what I'm, what it's um, taught me in life or in 
dance or is that both both yeah and i also just think that hearing like your answers and all the other people that i interview mm. it's also interesting to hear what are the first things that come up yeah like yeah what when i when i ask you this what what have you what has dance training thought mm-hmm. taught you mm. and to hear yeah <laughs> like thing after thing yeah that how it unfolds pops up. exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah and also the similarities that so many people mention for example being in a group yeah 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 it's some uh, very particular way of being also like ha- working in a project together you have a couple of super intense weeks and that kind of connection that you get is like i feel like there's no way i can explain that to mm. somebody who's not had that experience and like how i can feel connected to people that i worked with although we haven't seen each other for a long time or yeah it's just so you share very uh, specific experience yeah you might don't know the like social things that you usually know when you know someone exactly like you yeah made, you don't know how old they are maybe but right. still there are other things that are yeah. connecting you yeah absolutely and I'm now because now I start to think about like life and dance what is what and um because this thing of like yeah being in the moment or um uh, some kind of yeah, bodily presence and sensorial uh, ability uh, for sure but but then I'm thinking I don't know if I'm if I'm so much more attentive or present in like ordinary life than other people like I listened to this interview just the other day with Kalube Knausgård and he was talking about that in relation to writing because he got the question and he was like yeah yes in writing I can be very like present but that's like specific to writing Mm -hmm. and I, I thought that maybe that's how it is for me that yeah that's something that I've learned in relation to dancing Mm. and and for sure i can apply that to other parts of my life and i think there is some kind of accessibility there but uh, but not necessarily yeah sometimes i'm also just like in my bubble <laughs> i've also had that when i've had uh, problems somewhere with pain mm-hmm. that i o- i rarely experience that pain when i dance it's yeah. actually outside <laughs> that also uh, like certain awareness of uh, my body maybe how I'm placed or how yeah. I work in dancing I do it differently maybe than yeah. I do yeah in when I go and buy food yeah <laughs> like I can be so cold uh, when I'm outside of dancing and when I go into dancing then I don't have to do anything and I'm warm mm. like it's <laughs> like I just like get there yeah. <laughs> so funny yeah um yeah what else like to listen and to uh, pay attention to what's going on in the body um also maybe there is also some kind of ethical aspect of like um like being in relationship uh this awareness of like that i'm i'm part of the space i'm not like the space is not there for me to like do things with it or take things that it's like i'm part of the environment 
and I think that that can like that comes with a certain responsibility. Um, and sort of that you can be many. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah, and an ability to to fantasize and uh, keep this kind of fictional landscapes that, yeah, it's like a sort of play. Maybe you had to stop because I'm just going to continue. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's endless exactly. amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but let's uh, talk a bit about your classes. Yeah. And uh, there are here also an endless amount of questions, <laughs> but <laughs> we start somewhere. I had this um, experience yesterday mm. when you talked about giving weight to the feet and suddenly it was like I got affected by my feet uh, pushing the floor mm -hmm. as if before you had said that I was like holding myself or my weight up off my feet mm. and when you said to give it to my feet every weight shift started to affect my whole body and like a similar experience with my arm where I held the arm out totally effortless almost without feeling it and then there also to give weight to my hand and my arm I suddenly felt the shoulder and the connection through the back and to my whole mm. to my whole body mm. and maybe you could talk a bit about the work with this weight distribution mm. what what is it yeah <laughs> what is it <laughs> uh, I think there is something in relation to what you're saying that you can feel your whole body that uh, I think for me that happens when I'm not dividing the body into parts so much but like I can feel the weight in my foot when I f when I feel when I'm aware of the whole body and that the that, that it can like pass through um, and then it's something with like getting your attention there and how that changes it mm. uh, Christina Caprioli said to me once she was like put your brain in your hand and it was just like boom and then it's like it felt like everything just like whoom. Mm. <laughs> uh, changed and like you say not only in the hand but like the whole mm. um. and it's almost like it felt strange almost because my arm just weighs the same all the time yeah but my experience was so different mm. like as if it first didn't have a weight and then mm. Ooh, it mm had weight like of course you can't you don't place your brain in your hand but still you can like mm. there is something actual that is happening mm. in the experience mm. yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm thinking also that that it's something about like if you move the like the idea of the center of the body of like uh, this like uh, around the stomach Uh, and like put the center in other places that will shift and also when you start to like work more with twisting and that you're not like this kind of 
stable, uh, equal, symmetric body, but that you start to distribute the weight unevenly, then there will be reactions to that. Mm. And uh, and it also comes to me this, what Anna Grieb talks about, like falling apart. Uh, and that that you can fall with your, you can fall in many directions and how that changes uh, the weight distribution. Mm. Yeah, because I think I'm not I'm not interested in this kind of uh, stable body. Because I'm also like, but what are you going to do with that if you can like stand and yeah, then you can stand and know n- or know exactly that the distribution is even, and that can be helpful for some things. But then when we're moving, then we're all the time dealing with consequences. Mm. Um, and I think that's more interesting for me to practice because um, that's what's happening when I'm dancing. And this thing of like never really arriving anywhere. Yeah. And now I'm referring to thing, uh, things we talked about in class, but yeah. I also liked what you said now about like uh, to not be parts but to be one mm. yeah that fascia image that I we looked on the first day I think like I like to think about those bigger connections in the body like how the the outside of the knee is connected up through the whole back and uh, touches to your arm mm. and like how does that how how does that change how it feels to move my arms if I arm if I think about it starting by the knee, mm. <laughs> that it it does something different. Yeah. And that image does something else than looking at the skeleton that might look like parts. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. It's nice to see yeah. then this mm. like, uh, uh, what to call it, this whole fabric. Exactly, yeah. Connecting your whole back. Yeah. Network mm. thing. We have also been working with seeing in the class in different ways, like looking around you, letting the space and people around you into you through seeing. Mm. And uh, you talk about letting your perception influence you. And I think you also said like rather than controlling it. What, what does it mean to be influenced by your perception mm. yeah to to include uh, rather than control I think that might be a quote from Chris Parkinson um, yeah so what I mean with that is that how I'm perceiving is part of my dancing and that there's nothing that I really have to like do with the information but but more like uh, including it into my experience of moving and uh, allowing it to affect me. And I think that comes from that I was maybe trained, nobody talked about that when I was uh, in education. So I noticed that I had been excluding my seeing and also like sensing body 
a lot through training and more going for like <clears throat> the visual, excuse me, <clears throat> visual outcome. Uh, and uh, then I had this kind of big shift when I met Deborah Hay 2009 and worked with her and how she how her work in relation to that it's not about what I'm doing but it's about how I perceive it and that changed like everything for me suddenly my my experience of dancing was something else and I feel like there is such a richness there to to make that part of the dancing and all the the different levels that it brings um Oh, I had a thought that I lost. Um, bring bring the question back. Um, what does it mean to yeah. mm. be influenced by your mm. perception? Yeah, that, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Just like have to come back on track. Uh, so yeah, so I'm thinking about it as like that perception is not like a process in the brain, but rather that it's like something that you do. So in that sense, it's like an activity. And it's also an activity that you can practice, that it's a skillful activity of the body as a whole. Uh, And and just to like uh, practice those skills of noticing that how that color and how the light falls in through that window and like the, uh, the shape of that angle and how that moves in relation to your movement like how all of those things are affecting my dancing and is serving my dancing Mm. it it's again this thing of that it takes the pressure away from doing and brings me more into like a, a listening space like a paying attention to what's there Mm. And is it a question about like, um, you say the light coming through the window. Is it a question about how that influences me? Or is it more what you said before that I am a part of this space? Mm. So it does influence me. Because sometimes I feel like I don't know how. Right. But I feel that it does. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's a good point. That because like... To be occupied with that how I don't know then we're gonna think like with how then then we're back at like what am I gonna do with that mm. you don't you don't mm. have to do anything with it but like uh, but there are so many things that we're sort of trained to exclude uh, and to make that a part of the training to include and like allowing them to be there as a part of the experience and mm. then the question of how or like what what you're going to do with that uh, is not important Mm. but but i yeah i think it really comes from this personal experience that it just shifted everything shifted my whole interest for dancing and my my experience of dancing changed so much uh, through deborah's work and like I feel like 
another period in my career started from there mm. and it also brought other other things to other people's work like I had so much more to work with mm. what were other things that you started to include that you had been excluding I mean, for sure, any kind of any kind of perception and like sense, uh, sensing the body, like being more with myself rather than occupied with like what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, so it changed my relationship to form because suddenly form was more like a byproduct and still you I mean you can still pay attention to form uh, but then it's the form that appears I mean form will always appear mm. <laughs> uh, but it was not like aiming for the form and what other things also my my uh, perception of time Uh, that there was something in this like breaking up the time my experience of time also opened another dimension of dancing mm. I, and I don't I don't have a question about this but mm, when you say it's a skill um How would you how would you train to be influenced by your perception? To do it. Mm. <laughs> to guide your attention there, like to to choreograph attention in different ways or direct your direct your uh, perception to uh, Yeah, become awareness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was also I not guess, really a question. Yeah. But I don't, oh, no, yeah. but I guess it's all the things that we're doing in yeah. in class, like all these different kind of exercises of like where I'm guiding you through verbal directives. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, that's basically choreographing attention in different yeah. ways. and And then... Noticing and just like being with that. Yeah. Uh. It's just hard to name sometimes. I've had discussion with a colleague about like uh, then we talked about sensing the space around you, like sensing proximity and sensing your backspace. And we agreed that this is very rich in your own experience and it does something. But then we disagreed on <laughs> if a uh, like second person would experience this or if oh, it's yeah. something that's visible. Oh yeah. And I just felt like, yeah, it is. But I also couldn't name exactly how. Yeah. But you know this thing I said uh, in class today when we were working uh, with this uh, exercise across the floor in relation to seeing... Uh, And I said that I felt like I suddenly could see the space around you. 
Uh, and that was that became very clear to me when I watch, was watching you. So that that was something that shifted. That the attention went. Of course, I could see what you guys were doing, but it's like the space around you or in between you mm. became uh, visible or interesting somehow. Like that's maybe like one of the things you can see. And then I I also want to believe that it's visible somehow, but I don't know if you can pinpoint. And I don't know if that would be interesting, you know, <laughs> if somebody can be like, now she's doing this and I like, yeah. But it, but I, I think about this kind of like re- triangular relationship between movement, perception and thought and that, that like that that's there when that's there it makes me interested and it's the relationship between all of those three mm. uh, so it's not like thinking itself or perception itself or movement itself but but how they're relating um and these kind of yeah abilities of uh, thinking abilities or cognitive abilities and the sensorial abilities and uh, that uh, I'm very interested in what that does and I feel like I can see when somebody is working specifically or precise in relation to uh, like including all of those aspects mm. into their dancing. Yeah. I feel like like uh, similar practices of including your perception has been part of my dance training, mm. but almost always in an open form in improvisation. And now I find it exciting to try to pair that with set material, mm. which is also something we touch upon in class yeah so how do you work to keep getting influenced by your perception while dancing Mm. a set material Mm. no i agree i'm also kind of excited about that at the moment like how can you when you already know a certain pattern uh, how can you still like really work with how you're perceiving while doing that so how do i do that that's your question yeah Yeah. again i think it's this kind of like to uh, sort of demand of yourself to get there to do it and to to like or i mean it's and it can be a lighter touch it's more like uh, bringing your attention while doing the movement material also include move I mean move the head uh, feel feel the surfaces of or like bring all as much different kinds of information to to the material um, that was um, I have to think about that for a moment how do I do that I think there is something interesting when the improvised material and the set material can be in like a similar mindset. So you're sort of like um, that you don't like switch system to go from 
uh, oh now I'm perceiving now I'm uh, moving in an open format and now I switch to a different way of doing it but like can you still be in that like sensing mode and do something soup that has a form that has a pre-decided uh, pattern or thing that you're following and for me I think it's just like a habit that I have practiced like doing set material without that awareness so so I'm like bridging it I'm trying to to bridge it and a lot of time like doing some kind of awareness exercise before going into a set material helps uh, then I feel like I can uh, then I'm then I'm more I'm there in that mode and just like to yeah to bridge that kind of switch not not to go into a different mindset but and then going back like going from a set material into improvised material so I think we do that a lot in class also to go between more like open protocols or task-based things and into a set movement phrase and and then back to to improvised material so so going between those different modes i think is like also building up that ability or skill mm. um, and yeah that's something that i do a lot in class to to sometimes have a form that you can rest in so so sort of to use the the form or the material set movement material as a blueprint so if i think about it that way it's it's there as a blueprint and now the priority is not to execute this material but to practice how i perceive moving in space together with others and how i see while doing that mm. yeah. so i have to sort of trick myself into it because I've been training the other way of doing it a lot mm. I've also been trying to um, like set other aspects than the form mm. so if, if I do a set material but but the thing that is set is like I touch my palms then I'm gonna go down to all fours yeah. and then I'm gonna do a jump yeah. and I've noticed when you talk about the more set materials in the class you're almost always referring to them by uh, actions. Mm. So even we do set forms, mm. like you you call it a twist or a um, reach. It is never your arm in this uh, position. Right. Is this something you think about? Yes, I think about that a lot. I be, I'm glad that you say that because that's something I'm trying to... Uh, do to talk about uh, what we're doing what is like to get that kind of information about the actions uh, uh, it's difficult but uh, but I think because then it's like the action will will lead you into a form but it's not like aiming for that kind of uh, the arm is like in that angle in space like that's that's secondary or a result of the actions 
because I want to then, like, when we're working with this, for example, this kind of twisting uh, phrases, then then we're working on twisting. Mm. Uh, and it has a form, and I think that form can offer you something in relation to that you can maybe easier perceive change because you can repeat it and uh, and then you can like be very detailed with how you're doing something and that's the aspect of technique that I'm interested in in the how like mm. and how you can become specific so there I think that form really can offer something um, but but to go about it through yeah, through the actions, through what we're doing, through what we're working on. Yeah. And then you can go for the how you're doing that. And like talking about sensing it also, it helps me to, when you call it twist, rather than like, I don't know, turn this in this amount of degrees, like then I also look for a sensation of a twist. Mm. Mm. And rather than, you know, copying your mm. angle. Mm. Yeah. But for sure, I I feel very helped by form, and that there are many things that can like relax when you have that yeah support yeah because you don't maybe have to think about so much about the what mm. the, if the what is given, then you can really nerd into like oh, what if like I initiate it from here or like push more there and then what do I do with that you know yeah. Today in class, you mentioned something that I would like to talk about. Mm -hmm. The word pactivity. Yeah. Can you tell us about this? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's actually in Swedish, pactivitet. Uh, and it's a concept developed by the philosopher Jonna Bornemark. And she is also a professor at Södertörns högskola. Um, and how I understand it <laughs> is that, uh, yeah, obviously, activity then is a combination of the word passive and active, which is in itself, uh, this combination involves a contradiction. Um, and it's a way to be actively passive or a passivity, no, sorry, an activity that's born in passivity. So it's to pay attention and listen to what's there and then to do something with what's there. So the activity comes from that, from that, so from what's already there. So. So I think about it in relation to movement that there is that kind of like basic assumption that movement is already somehow already present in the body. And then you only have to like make yourself sensitive to that and follow and through following you can also like redirect and activate uh, a new direction for example. And uh, like I mentioned to you in class that she she has been, uh, Jana Bonemark has been, uh, she takes it a lot from riding where 
where the movement of the horse, like you pick up on the movement of the horse and like send it back and redirect it so that it's that kind of, uh, yeah, activity that comes from not doing so much. Um, and I like there are many people who speak about it in relation to dance in different ways, like through following, leading, rather than leading, following, for example. I think that's very similar. Um, yeah, yeah. And isn't that a way of describing what we've been talking about, like mm. getting influenced by your perception? Mm by what is there mm. already mm. yeah yeah and and then maybe yeah maybe that also brings this question back then so like what are you going to do with that yeah i mean you will do something with it <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, but it's not that kind of linear thing of like i feel this movement and therefore i <laughs> or i see that and that and then i'm going to react in this kind of way but it's but it's more there as like yeah i feel i follow i redirect i go that that it's uh, uh, yeah you do something with what's already there you sort of drop back into the body and embrace what's already going on mm. and i think that i am and then we're back to this like techniques of moving away from the constructing or uh, controlling something, but rather to take, yeah, listen and go. And it's not about like that you that you are not taking initiatives, but you're taking initiatives based on what's already going on. says some like sort of sitting in the back seat of the car maybe and sometimes you're in in the front seat and you're driving and sometimes you're next next to reading the map like that you can also like go between this kind of different uh, positions Mm. that might be a little bit something else but yeah it's an association more yeah it also makes me think of something you said in class about like releasing the focus of something and assuming that it's uh, there. Like to many things we've been talking about mm. now, mm. to like to to yeah to assume that it's there, to say that it's there, mm. and then it's there. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Because sometimes you can get so stuck also, like when you feel like you're just like stuck thinking or like being precise. And yeah, I just like to work with scales of things that sometimes you can really aim for this kind of precision and being super like exact with a task or what you're doing. And sometimes you just need to like, fuck it, go. Uh, Yeah, let's say that this is that, (laughs) that now I'm doing it. Assuming that it's working for you. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, maybe you're just like working on trying to work on it. And yeah, that's when you can feel very stuck. Yeah. 
too much in the thinking corner of the Yeah, time. exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta like move out of there sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Although that can like being there in that thinking corner can also produce something interesting uh, and frustrating at times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to have those kind of tricks not to to get stuck. And to bring some some lightness to it, like in relation to the previous questions of what the training has been training, I think that's also something that dance can train you to, to some kind of lightness. Um, and I think I have a tendency to maybe be like overanalyze things or be very serious with something or like give a bit too much weight to it. So that's something that I'm uh, still learning a lot uh, from from dancing the kind of lightness that it can bring. Yes. I have a final question that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit uh, tricky. And uh, you can interpret it however you want and allow us to hear your thinking. Mm-hmm. The question is, what is a good dancer? Okay. <laughs> good one. A good dancer. Um, I think it's someone who can understand the context they're in, uh, the the aesthetic regime that they're part of, um, and adapt in relation to that. It's someone who's not like the same in every work they're doing. Um. (laughs) And having like someone who has a lot of uh, references, but are not like holding on to them, but it's more like passing through them. I love to see that. That's I think that's again related to this like not getting stuck into anything, not into w- one thing, but more passing through. And yeah, like someone who has the ability to dive into an experience and at the same time inviting somebody else to that experience. So some kind of uh, like accessibility, openness, invitation. And at the same time, being able to see themselves as if from the outside too. So to, to have an awareness of what, what you're doing is producing for an outside, uh, for a spectator, for an audience. So now it's like, I feel like I talk about uh, performing skills. So I think maybe dance, a dancer performer becomes a bit like synonym uh, for me. Um, It's hard for me to think about the dancer without thinking a performer. So to like to keep those different perspective uh, ongoing at the same time, I think that's good answer. Maybe this thing that 
we talked about before that you can see the the space around somebody uh, somebody who's not like caught up in their ego like somebody who can sort of engage in what they're doing but it's not about like I see that it's not about you it's about the thing you're doing then some kind of uh, I guess also physical accessibility availability um, and maybe a good dancer is a packed dancer <laughs> <laughs> someone who can sort of both listen and uh, and also take initiatives uh, based on what's there and like knowing when it's time to hold back or stay or wait uh, and when it's time to go and I also enjoy very much seeing somebody who has that kind of unpredictability in relation to time Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good great. answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great answer. <laughs> nice. Is there anything else you would like to add or be asked or ask? Yeah, maybe there is. I, I can try. Uh, I want to say something in relation to uh, whiteness and uh, universalism and um, abstraction. Because um, there is this kind of tendency that when we speak about contemporary dance, that it can seem as if it doesn't have a specific perspective, which is not true. Mm. And uh, in my case, I see my work in the lineage of partly from from the Judson Dance Theater in New York in the 60s. And that brings us to postmodernism and minimalism and uh, yeah like working in the tradition of those thoughts uh, so I would say that I teach western dan- dance northern Europe northern American dance and I um, yeah I just want to to mention that to like to bring to point to that that it is a specific perspective although that mo- part of modernity is that it like it's so much based on individuality and objectivity so it can seem as if it's like it doesn't have a specific perspective or it's it's hard to even see your own perspective mm. and then i can see for example that there is this kind of quality norm of which I'm self a part of that premieres form and abstraction uh, and a certain intellectual uh, way of speaking about dance and art. Um, And it brings me to these questions of like who has the who has uh, time, who can afford to experiment, what bodies has been erased, who has the privilege of not having to explain themselves. Like I read this uh, great article, I think, uh, by uh, 
New York choreographer Miguel Gutierrez. Have you you read it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Does abstraction belong to white people? Uh, Yeah, where he he looks at, brings up all these examples from his career as a dancer and his life. Um, And he, uh, at some point, he puts that question, who has a right not to explain themselves? And then he answers sort of, uh, yeah, those who don't have to, those whose subjectivities has been naturalized. So it's uh, something there with just like, I just want to mention uh, that specific perspective that it's not neutral, it's not universal, it has a particular, like it rests on white art uh, history values, uh, what I'm teaching. And I'm trying to work with that in different ways to also uh, include references in the classes as much as possible and naming sources and uh, and like having these uh, questions and ways of problematizing the work like as companions in the work. Mm. Yeah, and I don't obviously have answers to these questions but it's more like uh, keeping on asking them yeah i thought about it when you introduced your class that you were sort of the first teacher coming here that gave a context to to what your class uh, or the sources of your mm. class mm. Mm. yeah yeah and it's it's not strange because we like yeah we swim around in this like modernity <laughs> sea, yeah. why whiteness sea somehow, and uh, and then there is that kind of responsibility, I guess, also in relation to like the white institutions that we're part of, yeah. and how we're reproducing those kind of values, and that it's just like it's not a given. It c- could also be other things that we study. Yeah. And it was very different. We had a week of voguing. Oh, yeah. Mm. Which started mm. with like at least 10 minutes of like sitting down and getting the context. Yeah, and what that's we're like, learn. yeah, then you contextualize. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's something we should learn from. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to add. Thank you. And uh, thank you for guesting. Yeah, thank you so much. It's very thank nice you. to speak to you. And thank you, everyone that is listening. Yes. Yes, thank you. Fan, 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 fan,